Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to a new episode of Catholic Girl on the Radio. I'm Rita Sekali, and today we are going to be talking about homily number 18 of John Christendom. And he here is talking about Genesis 3, 20 through 22. So we're continuing on with Genesis, so stay tuned. All right, you guys, so we're going to begin by reading the verses that we're going to be looking at today. And those are, again, Genesis 3, verse 20 through 22. And it said, Adam and Adam gave his wife the name of Eve because she is the mother of all living. And the Lord God made tunics of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And he said, behold, Adam, become like one of us. So you guys, let's now take a look at what St. John has to say about this. And something really to keep in mind is that St. John is one of those saints whose writing really, really influenced the early church and still influences the, the foundation of our theology as a whole. So we begin with uh, with St. John kind of reminding us of the mercy of God that we've seen in earlier verses of Genesis and how, you know, God immediately reached out to Adam and Eve and saying, hey, Adam, where were you? And um, in a concerned manner, he also talks about the fall of Adam and how he basically lost all the glory that God has for him when he committed his sin and when he did what um, God specifically asked him not to do. And so from there, He begins by giving this example that St. Paul gives us in the letters, which is that uh, concerning of the punishment that we will receive out of sin. And he says that, as St. Paul says, that all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. What does this mean? Why do we care about this? Well, St. John argues that we care about this because we know the law. We know what God has taught us. We've read the Bible. We've been to church. We've attended masses. And we know. So the punishment for someone who knows would be a lot more severe than for someone who doesn't. And I like to think about it this way. Think of a medical student who has his first year or her first year of residency and a surgeon who's been doing this for 20 years. Now, should they make the same mistake, it's more understandable that the medical student will get away with it because, well, they're still learning, whereas the the surgeon will be judged a lot more severely or will be dealt with through the hospital a lot more severely than would someone who is a resident. So in that sense, just the same way, when we encounter sin, we who have known Christ, we who have been saved by him, we who have heard all this stuff, and we who know what God teaches, we will be judged a lot more severely than the next person who does not, even though we may be committing the same sin. And he mentions that because Adam and Eve, they knew. They knew the law of God. They knew what God wanted for them. They knew what God wanted from them. And 
they still disobeyed. And so they were punished severely. And for us as well, we will be dealt with the same way. So let what Adam and Eve, what happened to Adam and Eve be a reminder for us. And that's what St. John is arguing here. Let that be a, a reminder for us that we do not continue in the same way of sin so that we will not continue in in a way that will hurt us and take us away from God's love and God's glory because God is always with us, you guys. God is always with us. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And if we allow him into our lives, then he will be a part of our life. If we give him 10 millimeters, then he'll take 10 millimeters. If we give him 10 feet of our life, then he'll take the 10 feet of our life. Depending on how much we give him, that's how much he will work in our lives. And so so we got to keep that in mind and we got to make sure that to allow him to work these miracles in our lives, we have to be completely his or at least try to be. And we ought to look at Adam and Eve as this example that we don't want to fall into sin. We don't want to go through with that punishment. But there's more to this. So, yes, there is punishment, but God is so good. So, St. John continues and he says, okay, well, what happened after after that? After they had fallen, God came in and he, as the verse says, he closed them. And behold, and said, behold, Adam, become like one of us. So God closed them because of his kindness and because of his mercy and because of his love for us or for them in that case, but his love for us, because that's what he does when we sin as well. And so he says, look, I'm not going to abandon my creatures and I'm not going to leave them in the shameful nakedness in which, you know, they were in. So he made them or he closed them in a sense. And when God did that, he acted, you guys, as this, as the story goes in the prodigal son. Y'all know the story of the prodigal son where he leaves his family and he says to his dad, hey, I want all my inheritance, walks away goes and spends it all and then comes back and says, you know, at least the, the servants in my father's home eat better than I'm eating. So let me go back to my father and let me at least beg him for, you know, for a life. And the father, he welcomes the son and he throws this big feast and he says, come, come in. And he puts a ring on his finger and this glorious uh, cloth around him. So we know the story. So what happened with God here when he did that? It's exactly the story of that prodigal son. We have Adam who left everything, who decided I'm going to disobey God and I'm going to walk away from all of this. And yet still God, being the amazing father that he is, said, you know what? I'm not going to let you fall into this, um, you know, nakedness or shamefulness so he covers them even though they weren't worthy of the glory that he was covering them with he still um, did what he had to 
But St. John says, God took away from them his, this brilliance and the possession of all the goods they enjoyed before that time, before the dreadful fall. However, he had compassion on them so great a misfortune and seeing them ashamed of nakedness, which they could neither cover nor hide, he made tunics of skin and clothed them. So they walked away from all of this, and yet God still had this compassion and still had this mercy and still had this um, tender or tenderness towards them and kindness towards them. And so St. John poses this question, which is, where are the talents of the devil? Here's the thing. This is what happened with all of us. This is when he connects things for us from Adam and Eve that we're reading in Genesis to our modern day today, and really to any any time. This works out <laughs> perfectly, right? Even though he was writing in the early times of the church, and we are now here uh, talking about this in this podcast or in this show 2,000 years later. It's still there. This still applies. So here's an, so where are the crafts of the devil? What is he good at? What is he skilled at? Well, as soon as we listen to his suggestions, he seduces us with the love of some passing pleasure and draws us into the abyss of sin. Then he abandons us, all covered with shame and confusion to the pity and the eyes of all. But the Lord, who is always interested in the salvation of our soul, did not turn away his eyes from the sad state in which our first parents were reduced, and he gave them a garment whose simplicity alone was a memory of their fall. So, what is he saying? Let's connect it to us right now. We are tempted by something. We, we hear this suggestion. And what is he seducing us by? As soon as we open our minds to that suggestion and start to think it through, Right. You know, the in the Bible, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, which I really like both words, the resist and the flee, because there is a resistance that has to happen. There is like a fighting back that says, OK, you're being tempted to do this, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fight against this temptation. So I'm going to fight this uh, urge. And when we do that. Eventually, with time, and sometimes it takes longer than we think because the battle is harder than we think. When we do that, God, um, sorry, the devil then flees from us and God is there to protect us as throughout all of it anyways. So what does he do? He suggests something, then he seduces us with it. He's like, hey, wouldn't you want this? Wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want to do this action? Oh, look at everyone else. They're doing it. It's normal now in this day and age. You are uh, being pressured by the world. You are, no one loves you because of this. You'll never find whatever it is that you're looking for because of this. Whatever it is, he tells us, he makes this suggestion and then he says, ah, but this would feel so good, wouldn't it? Doing this action would feel so good. Taking this, uh, even though it doesn't belong to you, would feel so good. Anything of that sort. And when we do listen to these suggestions and we do fall into that seduction, he draws us into the abyss of sin and we feel completely terrible after that. What does he do then? He abandons us in the middle of sin. We are confused. We don't know what to do. We are ashamed. 
And we try to hide that shame, just like we talked about in the last episode when we talked about Adam and Eve trying to hide from God. We try to hide our shame. And then there's nothing, right? And then he's done. He's done with his mission. Like, I've ruined that person. But God, who's always interested in our salvation, always comes about. Always. So sometimes, like, we get the question, okay, so how do you know that God is trying to save me? Like, uh, apart from the cross, obviously, that's the first and foremost. This is the salvation of our soul. It begins with the cross. But, but you guys, he does that every single day. And he does that maybe through someone who's walking in and talking to us, uh, through something that we read, through an action that happens, through maybe a billboard that we see while we're driving, something that reminds us that there's more. And, and most importantly, he does that through our conscience. He says, look, there's something that hurts. And if you ignore it, you can numb it and pretend like it's not there. And feel in this state of, you know, like, you're never going to be satisfied. But you can also address the issue. It's like, again, I think I've said this before, but it's like giving Tylenol to uh, a cancer patient and expecting the cancer to go away. It doesn't. You have to deal with it and you have to... Um, uh, you know, go through chemo, go through the treatments, go through everything that you need to go through to be able to treat that cancer and Tylenol will not, uh, will not solve that problem. All right, you guys, so let's take a small break and then come back and talk more about St. John's Halloween number 18. All right, you guys, so welcome back. We are talking about Genesis 3, 22, uh, 20 through 22, and this is the homily of St. John Christendom, and this is homily number 18. So, uh, you guys, jo St. John brings up this really interesting point, and I think it's just like, it, it, it really, it's, it's a moment for us to just take in all the stuff that he talks about. And so, he says... Uh, if I were curiously asked why this tree is called the tree of life, I would say that human reason is incapable of understanding all the works of God. We only know that it pleases the Lord that in this earthly paradise, man had as a matter of virtue of obedience and the sin of this uh, disobedience. That is why he planted these two trees, one of life and the other one of death, so to speak. So this is kind of what St. John, you know, like in curiosity, uh, if someone was to ask, well, why is it called the tree of life, right? This this tree that we're talking about in, in, um, in Genesis. And he says, you know what? Here, God is trying to have us understand or bring things down to our capacity of understanding or capabilities to understand something. He says that we're not capable of understanding the works of God because God is so amazing. And so to make it simple, we have what is called the tree of life and obedience to God meant that they continued on living and disobedience well caused death or caused, you know, death in the sense of, you know, taking that person or Adam and Eve away from God. And in our modern day today as well, when we sin, it really brings death because we are 
falling away from the source of life. And that's something to, uh, to consider. So we have to keep in mind that the moment that uh, Adam ate the forbidden fruit, sin entered the world and man became subject to death. Now, here's the thing. So God, we look at, you know, Adam being cast out of heaven or paradise uh, as a punishment. But God being infinitely mercy um, or infinitely merciful, he does something better. So it's a punishment, but not really a punishment. It is actually because of his love for Adam and Eve that God did this out of kindness and out of interest in them that he did this. He kind of sent them away from paradise. Because what happens? So um, St. John says, And now, says the Lord, let us fear that Adam advances his hand and takes also the fruit of the tree of life, and that he does not eat and live forever. It is as if he said, this is what St. John says, an excess of the intemperance had led man to transgress my command, and has his sin has subjugated him to death. So today, if he dared to touch the fruit of tree of life, he would acquire immorality and never stop sinning. So what is this, in other words, to make it very simple? Well, when God said, let us, you know, like, let's fear that Adam advances his hand and takes from the fruit of the tree of life. So Adam was disobedient and he took from the tree he wasn't supposed to take. And now God's saying, okay, so that he doesn't take from the tree of life, so that he doesn't continue on and live forever in this sinful way, in this way of disobedience. Well, I'm going to put him away. Because if he continues, he will never stop sinning. And this is something I want, something that really caught my attention, you guys, from before that I was reading through or when I was listening to the life of St. Catherine of Siena. There's something that really, really, really caught my attention, which was when St. Catherine was praying for her dying mother and um, basically, she's, you know, she's dying. She's telling, you know, let her stay or so forth. And later on, and she doesn't. And later on, we discover that uh, things were happening with St. Catherine's brothers. And had her mom continued on living, her soul may have been in danger. So... I, this is, this really caught my attention. And as I'm reading uh, St. John, this kind of connection happened. Whereas sometimes in our modern day, in today's life, you know, we look at this writing or we look at the Bible and we say, okay, this is ancient. This is 2,000 years old. This is however many years old. This is not referring to me today. But, but it does. And sometimes there are bad things that happen in our lives. And we look at these things and we think, well, this is, this is absolutely terrible. But God is, his main interest is the salvation of our souls. His main interest, if we look at the situation here in Genesis, when he sent Adam and Eve away, well, his main interest is that we don't continue on sinning um, as we become immortal in a sense, right? As uh, at least for Adam and Eve. So his main interest, which is why Jesus came into the world, to save our souls so that we can come back into paradise, right? 
that being the case, his whatever we do today and something bad happens in terms of situational, I'm not talking about when something is a repercussion of something else, but situations that happen, well, because we know God's good and because we know that his graces are infinite, we also know that he is doing this for the sake of my soul, just like the mother of St. Catherine of Siena, who before, well before she lived, she had so many miracles. She had performed so many miracles that were happening, and she was known as a saint even before she died. So um, so it is when she's praying, God could have saved her mother. But God made known to her that the salvation of her mother's soul was far more important. And the salvation of our souls as we come through these situations is like God saying, I love you so much. If you continue down this path, you will not be saved and you will not enter into heaven. And I want you to enter into heaven and I want you to continue. And so he shifts our course. And sometimes the way he does that is rigorous. Sometimes the way he does that is kind of like, you know, I wish it couldn't have happened. But he does certain things to sanctify us. And he does certain things to make us um, fall in love with him more and continue towards him. So um, that's that's kind of that one. Let's take a small break and then we will continue with St. John in a few um, minutes. All right, welcome back, my beautiful people. So let's shift gears a little bit with St. John and continue on with Genesis 3. Uh, 3.20, 3.22, that was the initially where we started, but now we're continuing. We're shifting a little bit. This is homily number 18, and we are in Genesis 4.1. Genesis 4.1 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. And St. John points to something very specific, which is the date that this happened. So after the fall and after the nakedness and after God kind of cast them away, then, and only then, did Adam know Eve, his wife. And he says that it was only after this, their disobedience and their exile that Adam and Eve traded together. Uh, so they lived like angels, and they did not know the pleasures of the flesh. So let's talk a little bit about that. What happened? So God kind of cast them away. And then they realize that they are together and Adam knew his wife. But before then, they were living like the angels lived and they did not care for the pleasures of the body. And so, but it was through disobedience that uh, they were led outside of paradise and that they realized that their bodies have needs. Okay, so... He continues and he says, thus, in the order of time, virginity possesses the, the palm of the priority. But when the weakness of man had introduced disobedience and sin, she withdrew because the earth was no longer worthy to possess. And then the law of concubinces is established. And so he talks about the the virtue of virginity and which is something in 
today's world we take very lightly and as if it doesn't exist, as if there's no um there's no greatness in it, there's no value in it, there's no virtue in virginity. And we take it very lightly. And we look at it and say, well, you know, everyone's doing it. So it must, you know, it must be okay to live without virginity. And even those who do end up, and this is, you know, waiting for marriage, um, even those who do end up waiting, people look at them and say, well, you're weird. Why are you doing that? But here, St. John argues that, well, before this happened, before sin entered the world, they had no need for it. They truly were living like the angels. And how do we know this? Well, we know this because Jesus confirmed it later. We have um, these Pharisees that come in and say, or the Sadducees that question Jesus, and they say, look, if there were seven brothers and each one marries the same woman, right? The first one dies and then his brother marries her and then his brother marries her and then his brother marries her. Whose wife would she be at the day of resurrection? And Jesus says to them, well, you are an error, knowing neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the day of the resurrection, men will not have wives nor wives of husbands, but they will be like angels. Okay. And this is in Matthew 22, verses 25 through 30. This is where we find the story. So we have this confirmation that says, okay, well, they were living like angels. And then uh, once they knew sin, they realized that their flesh needed something. But uh, we continue on with this, uh, this idea in a sense. And so Adam knew his wife who conceived and bore Cain. So even though sin entered the world through disobedience of Adam and Eve, and the divine judgment really had put them to death, God makes sure that they, there's the preservation of the human race, and, they, and he allowed for the, the humanity to continue through man and woman. And he said, I have possessed a man by the grace of God. And so here what happens is that even though, you know, like, they were in punishment. God wanted to ease that punishment and make sure that this image of life continues through the child. It continues through every single time when a child is born, a new life is born. That's something that we see and that's something that we celebrate and that's something that we uh, enjoy. And this is why we have birthdays, right? To remind us of the great gifts of life that our parents, right, quote unquote, our parents had given us. But what do we say that God has given us through our parents? And this is what Eve realized. And she says, I have possessed man by the grace of God. By the grace of God, she recognized that this union and the result of this union, the motherhood, the beautiful feeling of motherhood came through the grace of God. And so St. John continues and he says, do you see how the punishment inflicted on the woman made her better and more reserved? So back to our punishment, right? Back to when we said that when God cast out Adam and Eve, um, it was for their own sake. 
and it was a lesson and it was something for them to lead them back to him and to make them worthy to live in paradise without that disobedience. Well, here, here's, here's the first step of it. She recognized that this grace of a child is something that comes from him. And this is something we don't recognize today. We don't recognize that very much today unless it's, you know, we've chosen uh, to keep that child. Um, but truly, every life is a precious gift from God. And and she, Eve, attributed uh, this birth not to the laws of nature, as St. John says, but she brings it back to God and pays homage to it. And so it was used as a lesson for Eve, and it should be used as a lesson for us as well, that life is a gift from God. And um, even when, you know, when things are going bad, God is is always with us. And he always provides this image of life, this continuation of life through uh through the child, right? And so what happened after that? So she had Cain, and then she had Abel, his brother, and she also knelt down and she prayed and she said she was very grateful, just like she was with Cain, that God gave her this grace. And and St. John basically says, so this is how the Lord deals with us. When we thank him for the first benefit, he pays our homage with a new fa- with new favors. Now, this is not to say that God is waiting for us to thank him or he needs us to thank him, but he pours out more graces as we show gratitude to him, which is fitting gratitude. And there's so much joy in this that when the first child is born, and then the second child is born. She's so happy. She's so excited. She's so thankful to God that God allowed for this to happen. Even though, yes, you can argue that um, it was the act of man and woman, of Adam and Eve, that resulted in both Abel and Cain. But it is through God that their souls were uh, were made, that their bodies were formed. Because obviously not every time that two people are together it ends up with a uh, with a child. So God is also at work here. So and Eve recognized that and this is her showing favor to God and showing uh thanksgiving to God that God allowed for this uh, to happen and he lessened or he diminished as St uh um John says he diminished for our first parents the severity of punishment and to erase the image of death under the picture of new generation and indeed these generation that succeeded one another are an emblem of immorality uh, immortality sorry so this shows us that we continue there is immortality and this is a reminder of what comes after and it's a reminder that god is always with us that life is always to continue and that our intention or God's intention for us is to come back to him, to live an immortal life with him in paradise. And we see this through Christ and through our salvation. And we see it through from the very beginning of the Bible to the very last page. And I I love that St. John, he's like, this is, it's very precise. This is not 
uh, by accident that it was put together. This is not by accident that it was written. It is to teach us what we need to learn. And um, again, these are examples. This is God's way of bringing things down to our human understanding so that we can continue, so that we can understand God better, so that we can fall in love with him. And I think it's so important to fall in love with him, you guys. He's really the best. Anyway, so that is it for our episode. Thank you so much for sticking around through all of this. If you guys want to connect with me, you can do that at The Word with Rita on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And you can watch my uh, videos, the videos that I post on youtube.com slash Sakali, And you can listen to this um, on Radio Mount Lebanon and on uh, the podcast that will be later available after the episode. So on Google, on Apple, on basically Spotify, any major um, podcast platform. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be with you next week. Bye for now.